حد بيقول انا مش فاهم الفرق بين الترانسبستانشيشن عند الكاثوليك وكلمه تشينج اللي هي عندنا احنا هو مش عندنا نفس الفكر تغيير الماده الى جسد ودم حقيقي دون تغيير الفورم احنا في اللاهوت الارثوذكسي نؤمن ان ده جسد حقيقي جسد حقيقي وده دم حقيقي لكن يقدمهم لنا سيد المسيح او الله في صوره الخبز والخمر فانت ما ترى هو خبز وما تشربه وتتذوقه هو خمر ده اللي انت شايفه واللي بتتذوقه لكن هو في الحقيقه في الحقيقه هو جسد المسيح الحقيقي ودم المسيح الحقيقي احنا ما بنشرحش البروسيس الكيفيه الكيفيه يعني ده خبز بإجاسد المسيح ازاي بإجاسد المسيح ده سر كاثوليك بيشرح البروسيس ان بيقول ان ديا تغيير في الجوهر وزي ما كان لسه سيدنا ام ديفيد بيقول الجوهر يعني انت لما بتيجي هو جسد حقيقي ودم حقيقي بس بتاخذه في صوره خبز يعني اللي بناكله بنمضغه في صوره خبز لكن هو جسد حقيقي مش تشو ولحم ده زي فكره اللي هو كان نيافه الانبا فريد بيشرحها ان الحديد اللي انت بتاخده ده بتشوفه قرص لكن هو حديد حقيقي واخد بالك هم بيتكلموا على التحول في الماده في الجوهر بتاع الماده احنا بنقول ان ده سر هو سر وحق في ان واحد فهو فعلا جسد المسيح حقيقه ودم المسيح حقيقه بطريقه سرائريه ما نتكلمش على البروسيس ما نتكلمش على الكيفيه ازاي ان ده تحول لده تاني نؤمن ان هذا بالحقيقه هو جسد المسيح ونؤمن ان هذا بالحقيقه هو دم المسيح فهو جسد حقيقي ودم حقيقي للمسيح في اعراض او في شكل الخبز والخمر في شكل يعني ربنا بيدهم لنا تحت اعراض الخبز والخمر زي الحديد زي القصه حكاها سيدنا الحديد هو حديد حقيقي ولكن بيقدمه في صوره القرص ده لما تقارن ما بين القرص ده وما بين سيخ الحديد اختلاف فربنا بيقدم لنا جسده وبيقدم جسده الحقيقي ودمه الحقيقي في صوره الخبز وفي صوره الخمر فهو جسد حقيقي ودم حقيقي ده سر الطريق يعني معلش سامحيني طريقه التفكير طريقه التفكير دي دي اللي هي بتاعت اللاهوت المدرسي الكلاسيك ان انا عايز افهم ده بيحصل ازاي لكن ازاي المسيح اتولد من العذراء من غير زرع بشر ازاي المسيح اتولد من عذراء ولم يحل بتوليتها تقدر تشرحي لي ده نفس الكلام لما انا باخده بيتحول فيا ازاي ده سر سر ف اللاهوت الارثوذكسي بيؤمن باللاهوت السرائري سر يعني المسيح قال كل هذا هو جسدي يبقى ده جسد المسيح بالحقيقه ازاي ايه اللي بيحصل فيه ده اباف ماي اندرستاندنج 
هما بيؤمنوا بان الماده بتتحول الماده تتحول عشان كده انا في التعبير اللي قلته ليس تحول مادي ولا حلول روحي ولكن هو سرائري وحقا معا يعني هو جسد حقيقي ودم حقيقي بطريقه سرائريه اكزاكتلي ده جسد حقيقي للمسيح وده دم حقيقي للمسيح جسد ودم يعني حتى ابونا لما بيقول جسد عمانوئيل الهنا هذا هو بالحقيقه ده امين دم عمانوئيل الهنا هذا بالحقيقه ده امين ولكن بناخدهم في صوره الخبز والخمر ازاي طيب اللي في صوره الخبز والخمر ده هو جسد المسيح وزي ان دم المسيح معرفش ده سر كلنا نؤمن ان السيد المسيح كان في ظهوره في الجسد هو الاله المتجسد والابن الكلمه الاخذ جسدا ولكن في ناس بيقولوا انه كان انسان كامل وله نفس بشريه وروح بشريه زي كل الناس ولما صعد الى السماء صعد بجسد القيامه الممجد ولكن هل هذا الجسد الممجد هو انسان ذات نفس وذات بشريه ولا الاله الكلمه هو الذات الذي فيه وهل هذا الجسد الذي اخذ من العذراء كانت له ذات بشريه ولا الله الكلمه هو ذات هذا الانسان ومين اللي طلع السماء الله المتجسد القائم من الاموات بقوته هو الذاتيه ولا الانسان الكامل الذي اقامه الله بعد الموت الجسدي ومين اللي نزل الجحيم وصعد السماء الى اخره هو يعني ببساطه السؤال بيقول هل يعني اقنوم الابن اخذ جسد بس ويعني الاقنوم نفسه هو الروح وهو النفس ولا بقي يعني انسان بشري كامل اخذ كل البشريه الكامله ودي اللي اتحدت باللاهوت اللي قالوا ان اللاهوت حل محل النفس الانسانيه والروح الانسانيه دي هرطقة والكنيسه حرمتها وايضا اللي قالوا ان السيد المسيح ان ان اللاهوت اخذ شخص او اتحد بشخص برضه دي هرطقة والكنيسه حرمتها لكن زي ما بنقول في ثيوتوكيت الخميس للعذراء انه لها كل عجينه البشريه اعطيتيها بالكمال لله الخالق فسيد المسيح اخذ الطبيعه البشريه كامله فاخذ يعني سيد المسيح عباره عن نفس بشريه وروح بشريه وجسد بشري ودولت اتحدوا باللاهوت فاللاهوت لم يتحد بشخص ولكن اخذ طبيعه بشريه لان لو اتحد بشخص يبقى احنا بنقله انسان لكن هو اتحد بالطبيعه البشريه الكامله الكامله والا ما بقاش شبهنا في كل شيء ومن سعه الاتحاد ده مفيش انفصال بقى ولا اللحظه ولا طرفه عين يعني لاهوت لم يفارق ناسوته لحظه واحده او طرفه عين بقي دلوقتي بهذا الاتحاد بقي له طبيعه واحده فريده اسمها طبيعه ابن الله الكلمه ابن الله الكلمه هو اللي اتصلب على الصليب ابن الله الكلمه هو الذي ولد من العذراء ابن الله الكلمه هو اللي نزل الى الجحيم ابن الله الكلمه هو اللي قام من الاموات ولكن لما قام من الاموات زي ما سيدنا كان بيشرح دلوقتي قام بجسد القيامه وده نفس الجسد اللي احنا هنقوم به في المجيء الثاني لسيد المسيح وصعد مين اللي صعد ابن الله الكلمه 
اللي هو اللاهوت متحد بالناسوت وده اللي جلس عن يمين الاب ومن الهيات في المجيء الثاني ابن الله الكريم بس الجسد بعد القيامه صار جسد ممجدا وده الجسد الممجد اللي احنا هناخده كلنا بعد ما نقوم في مجيء المسيح الثاني يبقى انا عايز اوضح هرطقتين الهرطقه الاولى ان اللاهوت اخذ انسان او اتحد بانسان اتحد بشخص دي هرطقه والهرطقه الثانيه ان اللاهوت حل محل الروح البشريه او النفس البشريه دي برضه هرطقه لكن الله اخذ طبيعه بشريه كامله جسد ونفس وروح انسانيه Christians say that God loves us, the humans. How can we claim that only Christians will go the kingdom of God? What about righteous humans from different faiths and different regions where Christianity is not established? God loved and loves all humans, and He offered His salvation to all humans, to everyone. Some people accept his salvation and some people reject his salvation. So those who reject his salvation, we cannot say that God doesn't love them. Like a generous man here made a free dinner to all the people in, in the island here. Some people accepted the invitation and some people rejected the invitation. So can we blame this generous man that he doesn't love those who reject his invitation? About how a person can be saved without believing in Jesus Christ. He is the only way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no other way, no other name can save us except his name. If a person can be saved without the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, then the whole incarnation has no meaning. The salvation on the cross has no meaning. Definitely has no meaning. Regarding those who never heard about Christ, I don't think this applies to our current time. But this may can be applied in the first century, few years before the preaching of the apostles. And I want to, to tell you something about theology. Theology is done by revelation not by speculation. What do I mean by this? Whatever God revealed to us, we know. Whatever God did not reveal to us, we don't know. And there is nothing revealed to us how God would deal with these people. But what is revealed to us is that God is merciful, gracious, lover of mankind. Also, he is a just judge, faithful judge, true judge. So we trust in his faithfulness, in his justice, in his truth, and in his mercy, and in his graciousness, and in his love. And in the last day, we will be surprised how God will deal with those people who never heard about him, as the person asking this question. His Holiness Pope Shenouda one time said, we exhaust ourselves in answering question that God will not judge us if we don't know the answer to these questions. كثيرا ما نتعب انفسنا في اجابه اسئله لا يدينا الله على جهلها. 
So whatever revealed to us, we know. But whatever not revealed to us, we don't know. And the last point I want to say here, this question actually puts on us a responsibility. We need to speak to others about salvation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And instead of asking what would happen to people who do not know Christ, then it is our responsibility to go and preach Christ to these people. Can you imagine if there is a house at the end of the street here on fire? And then we are discussing here what will happen to the people in this house. What is the right attitude just to discuss what going to happen to them or jump and try to help them and call the fire department in order to, to put off this fire? We have a responsibility to share the good news of salvation. Why the apostle traveled between Asia, Europe, and Africa? Why they did all of this? Because of this question. Because you want people to be saved through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because they know there is no other name under heaven can save us except his name. Can you explain how Christ is the rational altar? If you turn your Bible to Matthew 23 and verse 19. Fool and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? That's why the father start to think about who is the altar that sanctifies the gift? The altar is Christ himself. That's why when he took the bread, he took bread on his holy hands without blemish, without spot. And he blessed. As St. Cyril of Alexandria, he said, he is the altar, he is the sacrifice, he is also the high priest. So he offered himself. And in the divine liturgy, we differentiate between the altar as a table and the altar as Christ. Usually, when we refer to the table, we call it table, the altar as a table. Behold, Emmanuel, our Lord, is with us today on this table. In Thanksgiving prayer, we say, take them away from us, from all your people, and from this table. But when we speak about Christ as in the litany for the oblation, we will receive them unto you upon your holy, rational altar, in heaven. We call it altar, rational, in heaven. And this we can understand how the Lord said, in which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift. So the altar that sanctifies the gift is Christ. So Christ in the divine liturgy. As I said, the bread represents all of us. So we become on his hand to sanctify us to become his body, and he is the head of the body. He took bread on his holy hands, which are without spot or blemish, blessed and life-giving. So that's why here when we say the rational altar, we speak about Jesus Christ himself. Can you explain more about how we have union with the saints in communion? يعني سيدنا gave a whole lecture about our communion with the saints in the divine liturgy. 
But just to answer this question quickly, I'm asking a question. Are the scenes and the cloud of witness part of the body of Christ or not? If they are part of the body of Christ and we are part of the body of Christ, then we are in communion with the saints. And if they are not part of the body of Christ, then we are not communion with the saints. But definitely they are part in the body of Christ. That's why in the introduction of the litany of the peace that we say it after the invocation and after the epiclesis. Make us all worthy, O our Master, to partake of your mysteries under the purification of our souls, bodies, and spirit, that we become one body and one spirit, and may have share and inheritance with all the saints who have pleased you since the beginning. Share and inheritance. That is the communion. So when we partake of the body, we partake of the body of Christ. And as I told you, we are members in the body of Christ. And the cloud of witness are members in the body of Christ. So we are in communion. We are part of the same body. Christ is the head, and we are part of the same body. Do we consider Isaac the Syrian and Dorotheus of Gaza saints? Both of them, they were after the council of Chalcedon. And that's why we enjoy their writings. They did not write in theology. They wrote, like Isaac of Syrian, he wrote in asceticism and monastic life. And his writings are very, very deep and very beneficial. That's why, although they are not canonized, but the writings are beneficial in, in the field of monasticism. Wardo, within the first hundred years after Chalcedon, I don't think that every Christian, even in the Chalcedonian church, believed in what was decided in the Council of Chalcedon. So I assume, that's just my theory, I assume some people in the Chalcedonian church, also they are in the Chalcedonian church, but still they have the Orthodox faith the right faith. Because in the first hundred years, they explained, but most of the people, they have the, the true faith. Like right now, many people are confused. The original sin, the penal substitution, most of the people, if you ask them, the, the regular lay people, if you ask them, how like yes, who are born with the original sin. We don't know what was their belief exactly. Whether their belief was Chalcedonian or not, we don't know this for sure. Because they were just in the first يعني, 100 years after Chalcedon. Like in, in spite of this, their writing are very beneficial, very edifying to the spiritual life, especially to the ascetic, especially to the monastics. That's why Mr. Pope Krillus lived by the writing of uh, Isaac of Syria. Pope Shenouda نفس الكلام يعني. قراءاتهم يعني كتبهم مفيدة جدا في الناحية الرهبانية والنسكية. 
Can I forgive someone without letting them know they are forgiven and never talking to them again just for the peace of my mind and heart? There is difference between three things actually. And usually you confuse these three things together. Healing, forgiveness, and reconciliation. If somebody hurt me, then I need to be healed. That's healing. Forgiveness is to let go of the debt. Usually, when the Lord spoke about forgiveness, He spoke about it like a debt. A debt. And reconciliation is to restore the relationship with the person. Since it is like a debt, let me explain it in a clearer way. If somebody took from me $10,000, so I am hurt if he did not pay me back. So he hurt me. How to recover from this loss? That is the healing. To forget about the $10,000 and to let go of this debt, that's the forgiveness. To deal with the person again and to trust him to give him money again or to lend him money again, that's reconciliation. So we need to differentiate between these three things. The question here about forgiveness and reconciliation. The person said, can I forgive him without letting him know? Yes, and you forgive unconditionally. Anybody who hurt you, you need to forgive unconditionally. As Christ forgive us, so we need to forgive anybody. Reconciliation is conditional, not unconditional. So forgiveness is unconditional. Reconciliation is conditional. For example, the Lord on the cross, he forgives all people, all people from Adam to the end of the ages. But he is not reconciled with all people. He is reconciled only with those who accepted his forgiveness. Those who rejected his forgiveness did not reconcile. So, for example, if I am in abusive relationship and the other person who abused me, so I am hurt because of the abuse, whether emotional abuse, financial abuse, spiritual abuse, physical abuse, whatever. To be healed, that's between me and God. To forgive him, yes, I will forgive him because Christ forgave me. To reconcile with him is conditional. He has to repent and stop the abuse to be able to deal with him again. But who is the judge? Not me. Because if I become the judge, I will be biased. The judge is the church. That's why the Lord said, if your brother sins against you, go and talk to him. If he doesn't listen to you, take two persons with you. If he doesn't listen, take him to the church. If he doesn't listen to the church, let him be like a heathen or tax collector. Means heathen, yani non-believer, tax collector, non-repentant. And here I will set a boundary. Until the church come to me and tell me, this person now is repenting, then I will be ready for reconciliation. So I will be ready for reconciliation from my part, but I will wait for the other person to repent in order to reconcile with him. Like David, when he found King Saul was abusive to him, he forgave him. But he set a boundary. He said to Jonathan, and I'm, I, I will leave because your father is determined to kill me. So 
he separated himself from this abusive relationship. 